Hello, my faithful and fellow listeners. Welcome to another episode of Podcast About Nothing. I am your host, The Apex. And today, man, what am I, what am I even going to talk about today? There's, there's, there's some things I need to cover today. There's some things that uh, I didn't talk about. It kind of slipped my mind when I made an episode yesterday. It kind of slipped my mind, but there's a couple things I do want to talk about today. Man, Trump's uh, bombing Syria. I, I want to give my take on that. Um, everything that went down at uh, at Starbucks a couple days ago. I want to. I want to touch on that. Um, the police officers uh, killing a uh, mentally ill black man in New York. A couple weeks ago, I I didn't make an episode about that. I do want to talk about that as well. You know, even with the killing that happened in Sacramento a, a few weeks ago, I didn't really get a chance to talk about that as well. So there's there, there's a few things I do want to touch on. Also, I just want to make a quick announcement, man. I saw on Twitter last night, J. Cole is dropping an album on Friday, y'all. Jermaine... Cole is dropping an album called K.O.D. on Friday. I can't even reserve my copy on iTunes yet, so I don't know what I'm going to do. might just have to wait until Friday to pick it up. And uh, I'll be leaving for Murfreesboro, Tennessee on Saturday. So the whole whole trip down to to Tennessee, I'm going to be listening to K.O.D. Watch your man Cole, because I am going to the show at Summerfest on July third. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna be he's going to be performing there. So performing KOD tracks at Summerfest. So man, I'm I'm excited for the show. This is my first time seeing J. Cole live in concert, so I'm excited for that. Um Yeah, so man, there, there's a few things I do want to touch on. So with the bombing that Trump did on over Syria. Over over a few days ago. It's been a few days now. Look, I played the video game. I don't know if y'all play the game, but I played the game Fallout 4. Uh, Fallout has prepped me for this time period. Just in case a nuclear war takes place, I've prepared. I've prepared, man. I've prepared. You know, I I know what minerals you'll need. Um, I, I know what you can get out of breaking down. You know, a a, a, a box. You know the things you can get from that. Taking apart vacuum cleaners, getting what you need for that. How to create weaponry. You know, we gotta go out here and and, and face some. Ghouls and goblins out here that that survive a nuclear blast. Look, man, it's going to be scary. Okay, a lot of people I've been seeing a lot of memes on Twitter, on IG, people talking about a um, people talking about uh, wow, I, I got something else to talk about. People talking about how um, you know when the draft comes, they're going to duck and dodge it. They're going to go to jail. Everybody going to be celebrating with each other. It's been funny. So something that, so you know what, I'm gonna just transition over to the Starbucks story. Cause I just saw CNN notified me. Uh CNN notified me that eight 
thousand Starbucks stores will be closing worldwide. You see, I I was never a huge fan of Starbucks. I started working at the mall, and uh, I worked with a lot of uh, Caucasian people. So, Starbucks is that, that's their niche. That's their thing. That's that's their thing. Starbucks is their thing. So I you know I, I dabbled a little bit in Starbucks a little bit. I, I used to drink like the little tea or whatever. And then I saw this take place and I'm like, yo, what is going on? Like they weren't like those those two men weren't doing anything. They were just sitting there. They were just sitting there. And and here you have see see my thing is this was even was was the proper customer service did did that take place? The proper customer service did that take place? Because if no one went over and asked them, um, yes, is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything that you guys may need? Uh, would you like a cup of coffee or anything like that? Nothing. Nothing took place. Nothing took place. They saw two black men sitting there. I, I mean, I don't. I you know, I I don't know everything that fully happened. You know, most likely, I feel like they were probably just sitting there talking amongst each other, laughing every once in a while. Um, and um, someone they were wait they were waiting at Starbucks for someone. I don't remember where this took place. I don't remember the city nor the state, but they were sitting there waiting for someone to talk real estate with. So I'm guessing that these young men were probably going to. They were probably looking for a home. Or an apartment together or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know what the case is. There's a possibility that only... There's a possibility that only one of them was looking for a home or an apartment. And he just decided to bring his friend along. I don't, I don't know. But they were waiting for someone to talk real estate. And, um... Or who knows? They were probably trying to get into the real estate business. And they were probably trying to meet someone to talk about how to get in there. I, who knows? Who knows what the story is? Because none of the Starbucks employees bothered to ask. So, this took place. I mean, even before calling the police, did you at least ask them to leave first? They probably didn't even ask them to leave first. And they automatically went to calling the police. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that I've seen people... Go inside McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell. I've never been to a to an actual Starbucks location. I've seen kiosks in the mall and I, I'll stop through there, but I've never seen. I've never been inside an actual Starbucks store because I, like I said, I, I was never into Starbucks like that. I was never into Starbucks um, because to me, their coffee is just boring. Like Starbucks coffee and like their flavor. That they get it's just it's boring to me. So I I was never a Starbucks person, but no one bothered to ask these two gentlemen what they were there for. They didn't ask them if they needed help with anything. Nothing. They just assume oh they're here to start trouble. They're here to possibly rob us. So why not call the police in the meantime instead of taking upon yourself to look at them as people and asking them if they needed something. Of any kind, like at all, they needed anything at all. 
jumping to conclusions, man, just making assumptions about people just because they're sitting there. Like, they, they weren't in there wearing, like, hoodies up, ski masks on, nothing. They were just sitting there. Sitting there. They they they, they weren't being rowdy. They wasn't uh, interrupting people's conversations. They weren't being loud. They were just sitting there. You know, and I saw today on Twitter that Starbucks's uh CEO offered an apology. Look, you know how you can apologize to me by giving me some ones and zeros on a piece of paper, on a paycheck. That's how I'm going to accept your apology. Like don't apologize. Apologize to me if I ordered um skin milk latte and you give me whole milk instead yes apologize for that but if you're getting me arrested because i'm sitting down you know how many times people go inside starbucks and don't order anything they're just using their wi-fi they're blogging they're doing all of this they're editing their videos or their podcasts i don't want to hate on nobody but they're just sitting there Sometimes you may have someone come over and ask if they need anything. They may say no. They're just using the Wi-Fi. There's no issue. So why is it, why was it an issue here? I mean, it's a rhetorical question, of course. I don't understand why you can just look at someone that looks like me and just feel threatened. Just merely off the what I look. And this is what white people need to understand. Y'all can call the police just by feeling uneasy. But when we call the police, there has to be an actual crime that took place. See, y'all can call the see white people can call the police because they feel uncomfortable just by someone's presence. We have to wait until actual shots ring out and blood is pouring out of someone to be like, okay, now we can call the cops. And what white people don't understand about black folks is we should be afraid of white people because just off of the mere fact that you think that you're afraid for yourself, you can call the police and then the police can come up and they're going to be on your side and I didn't even do anything. I'm just standing here being me. I'm just standing here. I'm not doing anything. You think I, you see, it's like you think that I think that I'm up to something. So you can just call the police off of that, off of that strength alone. Because of assumptions. Like how are we still in this time frame? And see, and, and what black people don't understand is this. I know black people that are police officers. I used to want to be a lawyer. Then I used to want to be a cop. And then I did a lot of research. I decided I don't want to be a cop. I'd rather be a defense attorney. And then I decided, no, I don't want to be a defense attorney. There's too much, po- there's too much poli- uh, politics involved in law enforcement, in law enforcement and criminal law. There's too much politicking that goes on in that. Also, police policing started off as basically white men being on the lookout for runaway slaves. That's where police officers were first created was to find runaway slaves. 
Same thing with the jail system. The jail system was created for for those slaves that were a part of those slave states, the Confederate states. And then, you know, when the Civil War was over, um, the North won. So those Confederate states were then told, okay, now these people are free, but people weren't always free. A lot of slaves then were then put into, I, I don't want to use the term concentration camp because that's not what it was. They were then put into an imprisonment because it was basically used against them. Oh, you can't read, you can't write. That means you can't get a job. If you can't have a job, that's against the law. So now you're going to jail where you're doing manual labor for little to no monetary gain. So basically, they were picking cotton or cutting steel and they were turning it into the warden, which was technically still a slave master. And they were, give, they were given a small minuscule amount of money in exchange for the hard labor that they were doing. That's what the prison system started off as. That's where police officers started off as. During the slave times, they were used to find runaway slaves. Not much has changed if you're a black person in America. Not much has changed. You know, we have a lot of people that are second generation slaves still alive today. Like if you're a if you know someone that is about 80, 90 years old, they're a second generation slave. So if you have a grandparent that's about 90 years old, then that means their great grandparent was a slave. And that also means your great grandparent was a slave. And that also means that your grandparents saw some stuff. Like they they've been through some things. Even at a young age, they saw some stuff. My mother was born uh in the early 60s. Yeah, the early 60s. My mother was born in the early 60s. When Martin Luther King Jr. passed, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, my mom said she was in the third grade when that happened. And she was saying that she was scared. I feel like if you like if you know someone that's in their 60s, if you know someone in their 80s and 90s, you need to talk to them about what they went through back then. Like, it was a scary time. Like, more than you can even imagine. A lot of stuff that the history books don't tell you. You know, and, and we have to go and read a lot of people's stories that they've put out there. Because they put these stories out there for people who think they know everything, but don't know the gritty details of stuff. Go out there, man, and do your research on that. Because we're given 28, sometimes 29 days out of the year to, to celebrate black history. When a lot of us being black in America 
our history really didn't start until we came over here on the Mayflower. A lot of us don't know where we came from. I eventually want to get to a point where I, I want to find out where my family started. Where exactly did my family start? You know, where were we? Did my family start in the Caribbean? Did we start in South America? Did we start in Africa? Did we start in Central America? I would love to know where my family started. Because slaves came from almost anywhere you could find a a dark brown, black skin tone person. So like South America, Central America, the Caribbean islands, the Africas. I want to know exactly where my family came from. Because the, when I, I, I remember in high school, I, um, I did like an Ancestry.com thing. And as far back as it went, it, it went to when the slave trade started. And my, my, my father's family came from um, Virginia. And my mother's side of the family came from North Carolina. But before that, they basically did not exist. So, I want to know what happened before then. Like, you don't know what, what, like, you don't know where you came from. For all you know, you could come from royalty. And you have no idea. Because white, white people came and they took us out of, out, they took us from where we came from. And, you know, sometimes I, I hear millennial white people say, well, look at Africa now. Do you really think that um, staying in Africa would have been better for y'all? Probably. We were colonized. Who knows what Africa would be now if my generation was still there? Who knows where we would be? Like, because the stoplight was invented by a black man. You don't think that that black man would have invented a stoplight in Africa? He would have invented that stoplight in Africa. It would have been there. We would have came up with means on our on our own. Africa, minerally, like if you look at just the resources of Africa, it's the richest country in the world. Because that's where all the resources come from. It comes from Africa. They're sitting on a literal gold mine. And people come in and they just take what they want and then they leave. So if my generation was still in Africa, yeah, I think we would have been straight. Africa would have been a powerhouse. We would have been straight. Athletically, look at every star athlete out here in the world. They're almost all of them are black. You don't think that would have taken place there? Yes, it would have been. Dr. Naismith invented basketball. You don't think we would have saw that and be like, oh, we could do that. Because that's basically what we did. We saw it and was like, man, wait, we could do that. Africa was going to be a powerhouse. It would not have been a third world country if we, if my generation remained over there. Because you would have had that sense of pride. You would have that sense of, I see how the past generation did it. We can improve it. 
And it would have been passed on. I don't know where America would have been. I don't know. Maybe America would have still thrived the way it has now. Who knows? I mean, all I want to say is that the first black president is half Kenyan. So, I don't know. You tell me if Africa would have still remained, would have still been a third world country now. Because not all of Africa is a third world. Not, not every country in Africa is a third world country. So, I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I don't think so. Actually, not. Yeah, I don't think so. Africa was on a path of because if you think like also look at it in this sense of the sense of as well. Africa is uh, is one of those countries right now where they're going through they've gone through civil wars for centuries now. There's been civil wars all throughout Africa for centuries. There's no sense of direction. There's no sense of leadership there. The, the, the whole continent has been broken in half because of what happened. P- white people don't understand how far back um, how far back slavery s- how, how, f- how far slavery set Africa back. A whole generation was wiped out. A whole generation. A whole, gener- a whole generation was wiped out. A whole nother generation was changed. Look at what happened with the Holocaust. A whole generation of people were killed. You know, even for people to say that, oh, why would you still bring up slavery that was so long ago? Slavery wasn't that long ago. Because if you, like I say, if you have a grandparent that is 80 plus years old, they saw some stuff. Because their parent was a slave. Your great grandparent, me, myself, I'm 27 years old. My great grandparent, my great grandparents were slaves. My great grandparents were born into slavery. My great great grandparents were slaves like it's it's so much turmoil that is brought on our minds and people don't need and people need to understand that because how how's that you trying to tell me that this happened so long ago when you like y'all cannot tell us how how we should and should not feel, white people cannot tell us how we should and should not feel. That's just it. It's it's tough being black in America. It's rough because sometimes you don't know. You can obey what the police officers say, and you still getting the gun in your face, and you getting bullets in your back. Is it's tough. I being a black man, I have. Brothers who are black men, and then I have a son who God's will will be a black man one day. It's not as easy as just saying, Oh, yes, officer, and then, Oh, yeah, there's no issue. Here's my license and registration, and then you're going on about your way. You roll the dice, it's easy, like you're rolling the dice every time 
a police officer, you come in contact with a police officer. Something else I don't like um, also is, I feel like I touched on this before, though. Being on parole. You're still in jail when you're on parole. Any contact with a police officer, you can go back to jail for it. That's where the prison system eats. That's how the prison system makes money. You go to the you go to the most misfortunate neighborhoods and it's easy pickings. You can just pick them off and take them to jail, put them on parole, then they go back. That's how they eat. It's a rinse, it's a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. This is what it is. So I'm not for people that say, well, I made it out. If I can make it, anybody can make it. The, there's no system put in place against black folks or people of color. Because I made it out. You are one in a thousand that made it out. Not everybody gets that chance to make it out. Not everybody gets that chance to make something of themselves and to avoid the hurdles that is thrown in our way. And even for someone that's, that may be black who overcame hurdles and everything like that, why is it that you had hurdles in the first place? Why is it that we inherit the tougher role? We just inherit the tougher course. We inherit it. Sometimes for, for some, for I, I don't want to say for all, but for some white people, it's a beautiful paved way for them. Like, the system isn't set up against white folks. It's not set up against you because white folks made the system. So why would they make it tough for themselves? And something else I would say, I don't want to say it's a criticism, but something I would say about black people, what we need to do is look out not just for yourself. Don't just look out for your kids as well. Put something in place for your whole entire black community for everyone. I have dreams that I want to accomplish. It's not gonna it's not gonna I'm not going to accomplish these dreams in three years by the time I'm thirty. I may not accomplish them until I'm thirty five and I'm okay with that. But I, I have something in my brain that's in place where I can help out those in tough neighborhoods for children. In tough neighborhoods to give them a sense of of accountability and responsibility so that they learn how to I don't want to speak too much on it, but like how they can learn to ha- hold themselves accountable, because I feel like in the black community, what we do with our kids is that we do enough to keep them alive and then we send them out into the world unprepared. We can't do that. We cannot do that. I had to learn to file taxes. The very first time I ever filed taxes was when I was 23 years old. That was the first time I ever filed taxes. I had no idea what I was doing. No clue. I had no idea what I was doing. But that was the first time I ever filed taxes. I was No, I was 22. I'm sorry. I was 22 years old the very first time I filed taxes. I had my first apartment when I was 22 years old. I had no idea what, what I was doing. When it came to paying bills... Like, calling up We Energies, getting a light bill in my name, doing all of this. I had no idea that that's what it was. And I'm not saying that that was my mother or my father's fault. 
But sometimes in the black community, we have so much that we have going on in our lives. Because you have to, as a black parent, not let your kids see you sweat. You can't let them see you sweat. Even if things are tight, you can't let them see you sweat. Sometimes my mom told me and I had no idea. Sometimes things got bad, but there was always food in our refrigerator. But I didn't know how bad it got until I got older. My mom finally filled me in that, yeah, we had food in the refrigerator all the time because my mom would sometimes go a day without eating because she had to make sure that food was always in there for us to eat on. And I had no idea that my mom was going days without eating sometimes. I had no idea. But as black parents, we don't want to allow our kids to see us sweat. We don't want that. Because if they start worrying, sometimes we feel like we have to take it upon ourselves to help out. And I don't know what it is about being black. But it's something about being black in America where if you feel like things are tight and you feel like things are tough, we throw the whole load on our shoulders. And we try to carry it and bury it. And I think that, that I think we inherit that from our ancestors who were slaves. They had to make do with a tough circumstance that they would find themselves in. After finished cooking a meal for their slave owners, uh, whether they're eating you know, pork or beef, the slaves had the remains, the guts, the testicles, the feet of pigs and 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 other livestock they would cook up the good parts for the slave owners and they're left with the intestines and the feet and the tongues and you know whatever the back fat that the slave owners don't want to eat they had to make do with what they had they just had to make do with it when you were in, in during slave times as a young slave whether you're a boy or a girl you had to grow up fast because you had to participate you had to do what you had to do to keep your family from basically being killed by the slave owner you had to do what you had to do you had to grow up really fast so i feel like it's inherited to for for black people for black families in america that when times get hard, the whole family kind of feels like, well, the load is on me now. So sometimes you do have those 12-year-old little black boys out here selling drugs because their mom is working two or three jobs trying to keep the lights on in the house. So they feel like, you know what, I need to do my part because maybe their dad left or maybe their mom is working. The dad is working two jobs and they're still struggling to make sure it ends meet. And the kid is like, man, I need some new shoes, but I can't ask my parents. I don't want to go to my parents and ask them for money for when I go out and hang out with my friends. I need to find out where I'm on. I'm not old enough to work yet. So what's the easy way? And people feel like a lot of times people feel like that, um, Oh, it's, it's rap. It's these movies. It's these video games. It's these TV shows that glorify drug dealing. It's not glorified. I'm going to tell you right now, I've, I've known a few drug dealers in my day. It's nothing glorified. Sometimes they do it because it's easy cash flow. 
Sometimes they work a job and then do that on the side because there's extra money coming in. And you can't wait until Friday to get paid. Or you can't wait until next Thursday to get paid. Sometimes you can't wait. Sometimes you need that money ASAP. Like you need that money by the end of the day. So they do what they have to. That's one thing about being black I do admire. We will do what we have to. And may the consequences fall where they do. But we're going to do what we have to because we have to survive. Because it's not meant for us to live comfortably in this country. It's not meant for that. I got way, way off of everything I wanted to speak on, but it's all good. I mean, I'll, I'll be making another episode later. I'm be recording a few episodes, but I won't be publishing these episodes. I'm, I'm going to record as many episodes as I possibly can. I, I decided to come up with a little schedule. Throughout a day, I'm going to record as many episodes as I possibly can. But throughout the week, I'm going to publish them uh, throughout the week instead of dropping everything in one day. Um, yeah, listen, there, there was a point in time where I was I was not putting out an episode for about two weeks. That's because I was doing a lot of reading. I was doing a lot of researching. I was speaking to a lot of people, trying to gain some more knowledge and how to better uh to to better to better advertise myself to better my scheduling as far as my episodes are concerned and even when it comes to researching content i've been speaking to a lot of people so i i took 2 weeks to do researching to read to practice there were episodes where i was just recording Listening back, going back, re-recording, listening, going back, deleting, editing. I've been I was practicing for about two weeks. So um, this episode was just something that I'm not I'm not I didn't really put too much time and thought. I don't want to say effort, but I didn't put too much time, even though I did put 35 minutes of time into this. It's a perfecting this one, but in upcoming episodes, you will. You, you will start to, you know, notice a bit of a change, notice a difference. This one, I was just thinking, okay, there, there, there's just something on my mind. I just want to get it out. I, I just need to say it. So that's what this episode was for. But, um, yeah, be on the lookout for better content for me. Be on the lookout for more content for me. This summer, I have a lot going on, a lot going on this summer. And uh, just be on the lookout. Just, just be on the lookout. I like to thank everybody that's been supporting me so far. Uh, that's been listening. Uh, my numbers have dipped in the last couple episodes only because it's understandable. I haven't been making an episode as often as I used to. But hopefully I can get back on track. Hope I will get back on track. I will get back on track. There's a lot of things I want to accomplish and this is something that I really have a passion and a dream for. I'm going to be collaborating with a lot of um, a lot of podcast hosts. So, um, if, if I'm on another podcast, I'm going to come back on my podcast and tell you and tell everyone to go listen to that podcast and even subscribe to a few other hosts that I will be working with throughout, you know, as long as 
God allows me to do this. So I I just like to thank everybody for listening, for being patient, for being supportive, for giving me uh points and for giving me suggestions and just just for all the help for the people I've for the for the people I've had on my show or my podcast. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be on a few episodes of my podcast and, you know, just giving me uh, the vision of what I want this podcast to be about. Um, Yeah, so that was today's episode. Also, let let me not forget. There's a Twitter account by the name of Boxing underscore News with a Z. Y'all need to go follow this guy. He has a a, a great following already on Twitter. He follows back as many people as he possibly can. But his Twitter name is Boxing underscore News with a Z. And he he posts the most up-to-date boxing news, MMA news, UFC news that's going on around the world. And if you need your fix on the the martial arts, the the physical combat sports that is of this world, go follow Boxing underscore News with a Z for the most up-to-date news, play-by-plays, scoring for uh, round-by-round during fights. He gives you his scorecard. And, um, yeah, he's a great follower. He gives... Great history lessons on what was going on today in boxing or today in UFC and everything like that. Go follow him on Twitter at boxing underscore news with a Z. And uh, for your most up to date to feed that fix that you need for all boxing, MMA, UFC related uh, news going on on the Internet, Fox Sports and everything like that. He covers it all. So. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Podcast About Nothing. I have been your host, The Apex. And until the next time, y'all know my saying. This is my signature. I'm putting it, I'm gonna put this on a t-shirt. This is gonna be my first merchandising shirt right here. This is my saying. I'm gonna put this on a t-shirt, alright? I'm gonna come out with it. I wanna hand out a few free ones. Hopefully, y'all can take pictures of them on Instagram. Help me get my name out there and everything like that. But this is gonna be this is my slogan here. Alright. Mind your business and count your blessings. So until the next time, everybody, it's been it's been real. <laughs>